Good morning. I'm really excited to be on this side of the bumper video. If this is like your first time here, I'm typically on the other side. So like, I'm just so excited to be on this side and continue our series on characters. If you missed last week, Daniel did an incredible job starting out with Adam and Eve. He did a fantastic job. If you missed it, be sure to go onto our website and watch the podcast, or I guess you listen to a podcast. Listen to a podcast, it's great. But guys, I have to be honest, and I'm just gonna start off and I'm gonna throw down under the bus. I felt a little ostracized at the start of last week because he asked for all of the readers to raise their hands. And I'm gonna be honest, guys, I've read a couple books in my day, but I am not what you would consider a reader. So today, I wanna recognize and I wanna celebrate a different group of us. We're not the readers. We're not the ones that enjoy, you know, sitting for long periods of time reading. Um, We're a different group. We're the binge watchers. We're the Netflixers and the Hulers. So go ahead and put your hand up and then give your round of yourself a round of applause. Yeah. We don't get celebrated enough. Those of us that love Netflix, um, I just, I do. I am like a total like cinema junkie. Like I love TV shows and movies. And in my opinion, this ties in really conveniently, might I add, that what makes a great TV show is great characters, right? I think like through, I was thinking through like some examples and I thought of a classic which is going to really date me, a Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. Forrest Gump is such a great um, character and he like really makes that movie. Or you think of Luke Skywalker from Star Wars or the kids from Stranger Things, yeah. right? Has anyone, show of hands, who's watched Stranger Things? The rest of you need to watch it on Netflix. It's fantastic. And those characters really make it. And recently there's been a fad of um, superheroes, right? And there's so many superhero movies that it's a really interesting question to ask people, what is your favorite superhero? And so you get lots of different answers. So I'm just going to throw mine out there. I love Iron Man. Absolutely. He is so cool, right? He's awesome. And Robert Downey Jr. does such a fantastic job portraying, you know, the complexity of Iron Man. And I'm going to be honest why I like uh, Iron Man. He's a flawed character, right? Like, he's got issues. I feel like I relate to him. Whereas, and I'm about to piss off any DC fans in the room, I don't really like Superman very much, right? I know, I'm really sorry. Like, there's a couple of you guys that I can tell just checked out. Like, you're done. Like, you're like, this guy doesn't like Superman. He's the Man of Steel, but he's too perfect, Right? Like, yeah, sure, he's got his kryptonite, but, like, he's ultimately perfect. And so you watch him, and it's like, yeah, I know Superman is going to come through. He's such a good person. But Iron Man, right? Like, there's complexity, and there's his pride, and it's like, I can relate to that, right? Like, I, I like, any, yeah, thank you for the laughter. Anyone that knows me well, I relate well to Iron Man because that's how I feel a lot of the time. And flawed characters is what makes it great. And then when we go to the Bible and look at characters, we suddenly expect them to be perfect because they're in the Bible, right? Like we expect, since you're in the Bible, you have to be perfect. You have to be Superman. Like, yeah, sure, you're allowed to have your kryptonite, like a little something here or there. But as a whole, you have to be a good person in order to be in the Bible. But we're going to read the story of Samson today, and I can assure you that he is like as far from perfect as you get. He is the Iron Man of the Bible. He's the bad boy. Like, he's the rule breaker, and he is essentially a superhero that's been sent to Israel. 
You see, a lot has happened since last week when Dan talked about Adam and Eve. God has formed for himself a nation of people called the Israelites that he looks after and they worship him and it's this perfect relationship. Um, Things are not always perfect, though. And something bad has happened to Israel, the Philistines. And now you may hear me call them Philistines. I'll switch back and forth just because I can't make up my mind which sounds better. But the Philistines have invaded Israel. Now, these were bad dudes. It's a lot different than how we think of war now. These were warmongers. They were murderers. They came in and their God actually demanded child sacrifices. So it wasn't uncommon, and it was pretty commonplace for them to kidnap children and then sacrifice them to the gods. And so these were obviously bad people, and they were oppressing God's people. So God came up with a plan, a plan to save his people by sending a superhero, which is the coolest intro to any Bible story ever, right? And I'm not exaggerating. Like, he had super strength, and we'll see some examples of that in a second, Um, But before we dive into the story, I kind of want to hit three things really quick. One, I'm I'm a storyteller in my heart. If you've spent any time with me, chances are you've heard me tell a story. And when I listen to other people tell stories, I think I bother them a little bit because I interject the whole time. But that's my way of being engaged. And so I need the same thing from you guys. I just I need to know that you guys are with me. So we're gonna we're gonna practice right now. Do we have a deal? Deal. (laughs) Okay, now that you're on the same page, do we have a deal? Deal. Deal. Okay, so we're going to, you feel free to interject at any point. Give it, like, if you're young, if you're, like, my age, just, like, like, retweet. Like, just, like, like, maybe if amen's not your thing, you know. But that'll be perfect. (laughs) Also... (laughs) If if the Forrest Gump thing didn't show my age, that definitely did. Um, Also... Uh, this is a kind of a weird story. I'm going to be upfront about it. There are some pretty unbelievable parts to this story. And Dad said something so great last week. Um, he said that, um, you know, we take this story literally. We think that this actually happened. It was a historical event. But some of you might not be there. Some of you might think this is crazy. This is just a metaphorical story. Maybe it's just an interesting tall tale. But one thing I don't want us to do is to not take it seriously. No matter where we're at today, we can all take it seriously together, regardless of if you see this as literal or metaphorical. And then the last thing, um, I don't remember what the third thing was. So I guarantee at some point during this story, I'll go, hey guys, I remember what the third thing was. And then you'll all laugh and then I'll tell you. Anyways, we're going to dive into the story. And so we're going to start off and an angel has come to Samson's parents. And so we're going to start off by reading in Judges 13. I just remembered what the third thing was. We're going to skip a lot of this story. It's three chapters long. So I really encourage you this week, read some of Judges 13 through 16 so that you can get the whole picture and make sure that I wasn't just pulling your leg, but this stuff actually happened in the Bible. So we start out and an angel has come to Samson's parents and they said, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden fruit. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. Now there's a lot here. And there's a lot of depth here, but I want to start off by focusing on one little phrase, dedicated to God. I want us to read that as Samson is going to be special. 
if we're going to use our analogy from earlier, he's going to be super. Now, there are a lot of hints here that Samson is going to be special. One is that an angel came to foretell his birth, right? That's crazy. Now, I tried to count. I couldn't find like a solid count anywhere. So by my count, only five people in scripture ever had their births foretold by angels. And one of them was Jesus. So if you're in an exclusive group with only five people with Jesus, I'm willing to say you were probably special, right? So this is, this is huge. And then the second thing comes right after that passage about being dedicated to God is that he would be dedicated to God as a Nazarite. Now, this is different than Jesus who was a Nazarene. That just means he was born in Nazareth. This is a Nazarite. Now, there are a lot of things that people would have known just right off the bat if you lived like several thousand years ago in Israel. But for us, a Nazarite is something new. And so it was normally a... Uh, basically like a commitment that somebody would make for a portion of their life where they would abstain from things as a way to get closer to God or dedicate themselves to that relationship. And there were three things that they had to follow. The first thing was that they couldn't have anything of the vine. Now that means no alcoholic drinks and not even grapes or raisins, which you really don't need to convince me not to eat raisins. Um, But for them, maybe it was a problem, right? They didn't have chocolate for Valentine's Day, so they ate raisins. I don't know. It was a sad time. The second thing was that you couldn't be around corpses, and this was pretty serious. There were actually instructions in the Bible on what to do if somebody accidentally died near you. Like, if somebody, like, I was, like, hanging out with Dan one day, and he was just like, bam, drop dead. There were instructions on what I would have to do to cleanse myself. And then the third was you had to cut your hair, or you, sorry, you had to not cut your hair. And so these were three things that you had to do to be a Nazarite. Now, these are not necessarily bad, sinful things, right? Like, it's not a sin to cut your hair. I used to have long hair. I cut it. It was a sad day, but not because I was committing a sin, just because I was, like, losing a level of style. And it it was a sad day. But these are not necessarily bad things. They were simply just an outward demonstration of an inward dedication. So Samson was especially special Because not only was this a personal decision that he made for a period of time, this was something that was set for his whole life that he was to follow. And so it wasn't just for like, okay, now I'm going to decide to do this. But it was an angel came and said, you are going to be special to God. You're going to do something crazy awesome. I have an amazing plan for you, says this angel from God. And this is how you're going to do it. And so you would think with such an amazing, like, precursor to your story. It must start out with a bang, right? He's come to defeat the Philistines, these evil, terrible people, kidnappers and murderers. But how does his story start? But him going to his parents and saying, a young Philistine woman in Timnah has caught my eye. She fine. It's not in there, but I think he said it. I want to marry her. Go and get her for me. Now, Samson, you can't talk about women that way. Like, it's just, it's bad, right? Like, you're supposed to be special, and here you are, like, talking about Philistine women like this. And then, on top of that, he was supposed to defeat the Philistines, not hook up with them. Right? Like, it's the start of his story, and he's already messed up somehow. Right? And so his parents do what any good parents do and go, well, aren't there any good, like... Israelite girls that you want to be with? Like, we have pretty girls. Like, I know they're not Philistines, but like, 
they're still pretty good. And he's like, no, I've, I've got my mind set on this Philistine girl. So his parents finally give in and say, okay, we'll go down, we'll meet her. And so they're heading down, and after some time, Samson and his parents kind of get separated. He kind of wanders off. And Scripture says that as Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Now, we're going to pause here just for a moment. He was wandering through vineyards. Now, I would never want to suggest or imply that he was eating grapes or raisins in this vineyard, uh, because that was against the rules, right? And we know that Samson is a strict rule follower. Um, But he is, for some reason, is in a vineyard. And at that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the jaws of the lion apart with his bare hands, which is the coolest moment in scripture. I'm, I'm putting it down, like highlight in your Bible, like write like coolest moment ever, and then you can just like quote me, Joshua. And he did it as easily as if it were a young goat. Now, I've never ripped a young goat in half. I'm just going to throw that out there. I've never seen anyone do it. I've not even seen a YouTube video of somebody doing it. And I'm sure it exists. I'm going to take their word for it and assume it's easy. But he did it super easy. He just like, can you picture this in your mind? Like, like, let's, like let's get out of church for a moment and picture ourselves in a vineyard. And a, like a lion. And he just like rips it in half. His muscles are huge. Like, I like to think that his shirt probably ripped a little while he was doing it. Like, it was an awesome moment. He, this was a bad moment. Mm, right? This was so cool. And so like, you've kind of like, you've got like, okay, so he's with the Philistine girl, but he ripped a lion in half, which is, that's okay in my book. Like, you still balance out, right? Like, I'm okay with this. And so it says that uh, later, so he walked away, he left the lion, and he came back later, and some bees had made a nest inside the lion. And so he scooped out the honey, and he ate the honey out of the lion, which is disgusting. On a side note, just like, that's just like yucky, right? (laughs) But on a side note, if you remember his Nazarite vow that he took earlier, being around corpses was one of the things that he wasn't supposed to do. So we're not doing great, one out of three, and then we're kind of questioning the second one, right? Like he was in a vineyard, but like, okay, we'll give him a little bit of credit, right? And so he goes, and he's going to get married to this Philistine girl, who unfortunately never gets a name. I wish she did, but she'll just be the Philistine girl, right? And he goes, and they start a legendary party. I'm not exaggerating. Philistines were known for their party-throwing abilities. Like, this was like, um, I'm trying to think of like, this was like the biggest frat party you've ever seen. And it was a week-long for this wedding. It was a rager. The word that they use in the Bible to describe this party literally translates as drinking party. So it doesn't actually say that Samson drank here, but I'm willing to bet that he was probably partaking in the raging, right? And so he actually had friends assigned to him because he wasn't from around here. So 30 Philistine guys got to be his friends for the week, right? And so he said, Let's liven things up a little bit. Let's have a friendly bet. So I'm going to tell you a riddle. And his riddle was, out of the one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Which, I will give him props for rhyming, but that's a terrible riddle. Right? There's no way they could figure it out. He was talking about the lion and the honey that he ate earlier. There's no way they could have figured that out on their own. Right? And so he was setting them up for failure. He was tricking them. And so they did what any person who's been tricked did. They went to his wife. 
And they said to uh, the Philistine woman, entice your husband to explain this riddle for us or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. This is an overreaction. It's just, this is too far, guys. Like, I understand you're angry. There's a lot of money on this, but this is too much. So did you invite us to this party to make us poor? We were just coming to a rager to get turned. So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, baby, it's not in scripture, but I think she said it. Baby, you don't love me. You hate me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. And like any good husband, he caved. That's the Valentine's Day lesson. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> and he caved and he told her, he told her the answer, uh, what is stronger than a lion and what is sweeter than honey, right? Which is also a good answer, but still a terrible rhyme. It doesn't fix that. And so she goes and she tells the Philistines and then the Philistines go and tell Samson. And Samson is rightfully pissed off. And then we get to Amber's least favorite Bible verse of all time. <laughs> If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. That's what Samson says to the Philistine. And again with the misogyny, Samson. Why? You have such cool moments over here. You ripped a lion in half. Why do you have to talk about women this way? Like, I just, and it just frustrates me, right? And so his story continues, and suddenly this pattern starts to emerge where there's this divide. Because on one side, you've got these crazy awesome things that Samson's doing. So he didn't have the money to pay the Philistines, so he went and he killed a bunch of Philistines and took their things and then gave it to the other Philistines, which probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, even though the Philistines were bad people. Now, of course, the Philistines were mad about this, so they tried to hunt him down, but he picked up the jawbone of a donkey in the second coolest part of scripture, right after the lion, then there's this. And he beat down 300 Philistine men with the jawbone of a donkey, which is so awesome, right? Like this is another like shirt, like ripping, like just like, like he's like in the air sometimes, like his legs are flying out. Like it's an awesome moment. And then scripture goes, oh yeah. And then he went and he had an evening with a prostitute. And you're like, oh yay. Thanks, Samson. This is way easier to teach because I really want you to be cool, but you decide to spend an evening with a prostitute and everyone knew about it. And so the Philistines set up a trap, but instead of falling into the trap, he ripped up the gates of the city to escape. Like literally it says that he ripped them out of the ground, took them up a hill and put them on a hill. I don't know why he needed to put it on a hill, but that's where he decided to put them. And he escaped that way, which is just this awesome moment. And so this divide starts to happen where he's having really cool moments, but he's also having a lot of really weak, stupid moments, if we can just be frank, right? He's just being an idiot. And so we get closer to the end of his story, and I'm going to be honest, guys, we just skipped two whole chapters of Scripture. So I really encourage you to go and read this for yourself because there's some pretty crazy stuff in there. And so you think, wow, Samson's probably learned his lesson, right? Please giggle, because uh, that was absolutely sarcasm, right? He's not learned his lesson. And so we pick up a new chapter of his story, and sure enough, it starts off sometime later. We'll flip to the next slide. Oh, it just did. No, the next one. There we go. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. It's going to be such a sweet story, right? 
who lived in the Valley of Sorek. And the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Hey there, Delilah, what's it like in the Valley of Sorek? I couldn't, I couldn't not put that in there, so thank you for laughing. Uh, the pity laugh. Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. And as the least subtle woman in history, she goes to Samson and says, Hey baby, what makes you so strong and how can you be overpowered and tied up securely? She literally quotes him word for word. Now, another Valentine's Day lesson. If you're in a relationship and somebody comes to you and says, how can you be tied up, over, uh, tied up and securely? This is not Fifty Shades Darker. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is a trap. It's a trap. I'm just going to throw it out there. And Samson is too stupid to see that. Right? He, di- like, he doesn't see through that. Like, and it's, it's worse because Delilah never seems to have really loved him to begin with. She was just trying to trap him. And so... Sure enough, he's smart enough to lie and say, well, you know, if you take some, like, take some, like, fresh ropes or something and, like, tie me up like this, then I won't be able to, like, be overcome, right? This will get me. And so that night, he falls asleep, and she ties him up and then screams, Samson, the Philistines are here! And he stands up in, like, Wolverine coming out of the water. He, like, comes up and he's like, bam! And rips out the, like, rips the ropes in half and... He has, like, somebody applied baby oil at some point. Like, I don't know when that happened, but, like, in your mind, like, he rips open, and, like, he's got the big bulging muscles. And instead of doing the smart thing and going, you are not looking out for me, you are trying to trap me, and running in the other direction, he keeps falling for this. This happens, like, a couple more times, and he keeps lying, giving a different lie. And finally, she comes to him and says, Samson, you don't love me. Baby. You're like, I'm, I'm going to have And that's what it comes down to. And like an idiot, he thinks back to his Nazarite vows. And now at this point in the story, he's broken like a lot of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and of the three vows that he's taken to, of the Nazarite, he's only got one left. He's only got the hair. And so sure enough, he says, a razor has never touched my head. And that is where my strength lies. And so scripture tells us that that night, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head on her lap. And she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Now, this is where the story gets a little gruesome because this isn't going to be a cool, you know, sweaty oil, like ripping moment. This is he gets captured. The Philistines run in this time for real and they overcome him and they chain him up and it says that they gouge both of his eyes out, which is horrific, right? And then they throw him in prison. Now, up until this point in Samson's story, there's been a, like a lot of ups and downs, right? Like we've had the Philistine woman, which is kind of a low point, but then we have the lion, which is really cool, and then the prostitute, and then the ripping up this, the gates of the city, But this is different. This isn't just a low point. This is like as low as it gets. This is the pit. This is not just another high or another low, but this is this is rock bottom for Samson. This is Iron Man without his suit. He's he's hopeless, he's helpless, he's got nothing, all of his strength has left him, and it's all over. Now, the Philistines were having another rager 
This one was special. This was not just like a house party or like a casual get-together. But it says that 3,000 people got together. Like they were partying on the roof. It was crazy. We, any one of us would have given an arm and a leg to be there. You know, the nobles were there. Anyone that was important to the Philistines was at this party. And they had had a little bit to drink. And scripture tells us that half drunk by now, this is actually scripture. I didn't add that part in. The people demanded, bring out Samson so that he can amuse us. So he was brought from the prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign God, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time with one blow. Let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple and magically the baby oil returned. He's got like veins. I'm, you guys don't seem to be tracking with me. You guys know in like movies where like, you know, like Conan or something, he's just like pushing, he's got his muscles. This is what I want you to imagine as Conan. Um, <laughs> push, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, then he says, retweet, there you go. Uh, then he says, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushes and the two temples or the two pillars and the, uh, oh, I totally lost my place. And the temple came crashing down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he ended up killing more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. And suddenly we have an epic climax to this story. We're back at this cool pile of stuff that he's done throughout the years. And finally, in like the most heroic way possible, he sacrifices his life to defeat the Philistines, to push them back. So many nobles were there, so many leaders. And I'm going to be honest, guys, I get to the end of the story and I really want Samson to be cool, right? Like, I'm a guy, and I'm sure there are girls out there, too, that have the same opinion. But as a guy, I look, and I'm like, man, he's so cool, right? Like, this is like the coolest dude ever. I want to be like Samson. I want to be a superhero. And I look, and I see this divide between the good things that he did and the bad things that he did. And it kind of brings up this question for me. And in my mind, I see this as the Samson paradox, that how could someone so strong, be so weak? And how could he still accomplish God's plan? Right? Because he was so strong, and yet he continually acted like a fool. He was an idiot, right? And he was so strong, he had everything going for him, and he constantly failed. And this is not what society tells us, right? I'm about to make a sports analogy. I'm really excited about this. If a quarterback throws only interceptions, they're going to be off the team. You can't be part of the plan anymore. But somehow, Samson continually threw interceptions. He constantly messed up. He constantly was foolish and dumb and went against what God had for him. And yet somehow, he still accomplished what he had been sent to do. Defeat the Philistines. He still had awesome moments. He had still had strength beyond anything that any man ever had had. And if we're being honest, this shouldn't be possible according to a lot of religious people, right? We get taught a lot of times in church that 
if you're not a good person, you can't be a part of God's plan. But that's not what is happening with Samson, because he's a pretty rubbish person a lot of the time, but he's still a part of God's plan, and he's still doing incredible things, and he's still got all this strength, and he still dies in this, this awesome way where he sacrifices himself for the good of the people. And it really only leads me with one conclusion. And this, is, this has really been working in my heart this week, that even when we fail, God's plan prevails. And it's, it's baffling, right? This shouldn't make sense. But we look at Samson's story, and this is the only thing that you can see that could be true from this, right? And this is great news for me. I'm going to be honest, because most days I feel more like Samson than I feel like Superman. I'm not some great person that's got it all together. And like I, maybe I have like a little like, like a luggage of problems somewhere hidden away. It's much closer to Samson, right? Where I'm just a flawed person. And I'm going to throw everyone that's ever been on this stage under the bus with me. Dan, Am, everyone in the band, anyone on the dream team, they're all more like Samson than it, we are like Superman. And if you come to church and you think, wow, I just, I just can't connect with these people because they're all such Supermans, I'm here to burst the bubble for you. We're more like Samson than we are like Superman. And that's where you have to start when you start with God's plan that... You know, we are more like Samson than Superman. And we're okay with that somehow because even when we fail, God's plan prevails. A lot of us look at our past and we see all these failings and we think there's no way that God could overcome my past. There's no way that he could get through this riddled sexual past or there's no way that he could get through the things that I've done to my spouse or to my relationships. There's no way that I could overcome the way I've treated people, the anger that I've had in my life. And there's no way that God could overcome that. Or maybe you've been around church for a while and you think, oh man, I've already been saved, but I have all this secret stuff that I feel like I have to keep bottled up because somehow God can't overcome it because I've already been saved and Christians are supposed to be Superman. But that's not the truth, right? Because even when we feel fail, God's plan prevails. Or maybe you're at a spot right now and this one hits close to home for me where you just feel alone, where you feel abandoned. You look around and you feel like Samson in the pit. You've lost your Iron Man suit. Your eyes have been gouged out and you're just standing there going, God, I don't see the point of all of this. This is ridiculous. I shouldn't have to overcome this. I don't see where I'm going. I don't understand how I got here. I'm just here and I'm all alone and there's no way that God can save me from this. But God can prevail through that. Sometimes it's our failings that get there. Sometimes it's just that the world is a messed up place. But we end up here and we think for some reason that I've hit this low where I'm so low that God can't save me from this. God can't prevail through this. That God's plan, well, we're going to have to give up. You know, it's, I, I'm done investing in this. Or maybe we look at the future and we think, I just don't know what it holds. Job security is tough. I don't know how my marriage is going to survive. I don't know how I'm going to get through these tough things that I'm going through right now. And somehow that because it's the future, God hasn't got it handled, that God's plan isn't going to prevail through that. Now, I just, I want to take a, a, a brief pause because there's a question that comes up. And this is the quest, first question that pops into my mind. If God's plan is going to come through, why even try? 
right? It's a great question. And and if we're being honest, that's the first thing that popped into my mind when I kind of stumbled upon this truth, right? Now, I am incredibly blessed to have really great parents. Some of us have had fantastic parents in our lives. Some of us haven't been blessed with that. But my parents, even though they're not perfect people, I know that they will always love me. I know that they will always be there for me. No matter what I do, they're going to come through for me. So that does not lead me to to like abandon that relationship. No, I want to invest in that. I want to push into that. I want to be a part of that relationship because I know they'll always be there for me. I'm not going to run away from that. And how much more perfect is God's plan than my parents' love for me, right? And so we push in, we invest in what God has. And now I wish that I, and this could be a whole nother 30 minutes, right? I wish I could tell each and every one of you what God's plan is for you. I'm still trying to figure it out in my own life. So once I've got it figured out, I'll start on your guys' plans. But for now, I know that one thing that every time scripture talks about God's plan, that it is good and it is perfect. And that we see in Samson's story that it prevails through everything, no matter how much we fail, no matter how much scum the earth throws on top of our life, God's plan prevails. And it leads us to overflowing life. That's what we're all about here at Connect. That's what we believe that Christ gives us. That's what we think God's plan leads us to. And even when we fail in trying to get there, even when the uncertainty of the future is just so big that it feels like you can't see anything else, or even when you feel all alone, even when we fail, God's plan prevails. Because most days we feel more like Samson than we do like Superman. And no matter what, seriously, if God could come through for Samson and all of his constant failings and like literally every way you could ever imagine, God came through for Samson. And so God can come through for you. And so even when we fail, God's plan prevails. (laughs) 